praise and to pray and to worship our God. And I welcome if you're joining us online too. Now we're going to start our worship with a song about God's mercy. And we're here, aren't we, because of God's mercy. And John will be preaching later on a place for personal discipline. And as we think about personal discipline, we also remember God's mercy. Let's stand as the music starts. going to come and read our first reading in a little while, but first let's, let's turn to our God in prayer. And as Mark reminded us this morning, it's a privilege, isn't it? It's a privilege to pray. Let's bow our heads and our hearts as we come to our great God. Father God, as we come to you in prayer, we remember we do so because you are a merciful God. We do so because you are a faithful God. We do so because of your steadfast love. And we thank you, as we've been reminded, as we've been singing your praise with that last song, 
of the many different ways that your mercy affects our life. We thank you for uh, your way of salvation. The way that we could have peace with you. The only way we could have peace with you was through your son and his willingness to take our punishment. His willingness to die so that we could have that forgiveness. And we pray tonight as we come to you that you would be merciful to everyone here in this room. If there's any here that do not know you, we pray that your Holy Spirit would speak to them, would open their eyes to see their need of a saviour. We pray that they would come to you and be forgiven. We ask tonight that our minds, our thoughts, would be solely focused on you. We pray that you would take away anything that distracts us. We pray that as your word is preached, Lord, that our lives would be changed. And we think tonight, as John talks about personal discipline, yes, we thank you for your mercy. Yes, we thank you for your grace. We thank you for the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives. But we also know that we have a personal responsibility. And we pray that you would help us to see that tonight and teach us from your word. Lord, how that works alongside your mercy and your grace. We ask that as we leave tonight, as we go into another week, Lord, that you would have stirred us up. Lord, to want to love you more. Lord, to want to follow you in our lives. Lord, we were reminded this morning in the children's talk about those things that can take your place. And each of us know if they look at our heart, there are things that can take your place. And we ask that we would keep them at bay Lord, through the Holy Spirit's help so that you are first in our lives. We pray that you would be with us tonight and that you would bless us. Amen. Our first reading tonight is in the second book of Peter, um, chapter 1, verses 3 to 11. That's on page 1018 in the Church Bibles. His divine power has granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness, through the knowledge of him who called us to his own glory and excellence, by which he has granted to us his precious and very great promises, so that through them you may become partakers of the divine nature having escaped from the corruption that is in the world because of sinful desire. For this very reason, make every effort to supplement your faith with virtue, and virtue with knowledge, and knowledge with self-control, and self-control with steadfastness, and steadfastness with godliness, and godliness with brotherly affection, and brotherly affection with love. For if these qualities are yours and increasing, They keep you from being ineffective or unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. For whoever lacks these qualities is so short-sighted that he is blind, having forgotten that he was cleansed from his former sins. Therefore, brothers, be all the more diligent to confirm your calling and election. For if you practice these qualities, you will never fall. For in this way there will be richly provided for you an entrance into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Saviour, Jesus Christ.
Thanks, Rob. Well, we're going to um, stand and sing our next song, which is all about the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives. And as we sing it, we just think about how much he does for us. Let's stand and sing as the music starts. turn again to our God in prayer. Let's, let's pray. Father God, we, we thank you for the Holy Spirit. We thank you that Jesus told his disciples that when he went ahead, when he went into heaven, to rule from there, that he would send a comforter. And we thank you uh, for the work of the Holy Spirit. And we pray that our lives would be open to receive him. We pray that we would not be living in a way that offends him. We pray that we would be responsive to his suggestions and his urgings. And Lord, we pray that as we are willing to serve, that he would make that service effective and effectual. Lord, we pray that um, that we would see that as we 
look to serve, as we look to follow Jesus, it's through the Holy Spirit in our lives that we will show those fruits of gentleness and kindness and joy and peace and self-control and the others. Lord, we, we pray that, Lord, that we would uh, make much use of the, the time that we use to be in contact. We know that if we are branched, there's not a track uh, attached to the tree. Lord, no life can flow through us. And what does that mean? Lord, we know we have a, to be attached to you. And we pray that as we read your word, as we listen to your word preached, Lord, you would be teaching us. Lord, that you would be keeping us alive. And Lord God, we pray that our life would show to those round about us who we serve and who we follow, who we love, and Lord, and who we want others to come to know and love too. Lord God, we, we thank you for the church here at Forest Fold. We thank you as a body of believers that you have put us together to care and to love for one another. And we pray that you would help us to do that with each other, that our love would grow amongst us, that unity would be strong here. We ask that you would help us to help those who need help. We pray that you would help us to rejoice with those who are happy. We pray that you would give us uh, a spirit of thankfulness, Lord, as we inter- interact with each other in our lives. Lord, may we truly be see each other as brothers and sisters in a happy family. And Lord God, we, we think of those um, in our family, we think of those who need prayer. Lord, we ask that you would be with them. We ask that they would be able to cast their cares Onto you, looking to you for strength and comfort. We pray for those who life is going well at the moment. And we pray that they would look to you with their joy in a spirit of thankfulness. Lord God, we remember those who can't be with us, those who are in homes. We ask that you would be with each of them. That's Christine or Margaret. Lord, we We pray for Marion down at St. Leonard's. We pray for for Dorothy. Lord, and ask that you would bless them. Lord, in their individual circumstances. And where, Lord, those circumstances uh, are not fixed, we pray you'd help with any changes uh, that need to be made. Lord, we want to remember um, the way that we, as we seek to serve you, we want to spread your word in this locality. We think back to the calendars going out and we pray that those houses, that the calendars are up, that your word, you would use it to speak to people, to change people's lives. We want to thank you for our Sunday school. We thank you for the new ones that we had this morning. We pray that you would bless that work. We pray you'd bless that work as children from a young age come to seek you and know you and find you. We pray that you would bless that word as the seed is sown in their lives and it may take years for it to come forth and bear fruit. But Lord, we pray that in your time, Lord, you would use it. We want to commit to you first Tuesdays and first steps. Ask that the Holy Spirit would be working amongst the, the older people as they come for their meal. 
We pray that, that they would see their need of a saviour. Lord, we're just so thankful that uh, no one is too old to be saved. We're thankful that no one is too young to be saved either. And we pray that you would bless those who come to first steps. And we pray you'd be with their parents. Lord God, we remember Connect tomorrow and ask that you'd work in our locality. We pray you'd work in the children of Alderbrook. And we ask that they would come to know you, know you too. Lord God, we want to remember the leadership team of this church. We pray that you would be with each of them, whether deacons and the practical nature with which they serve, or whether with the elders and the spiritual nature with which they serve us. We pray that you would um, help them with their individual roles and help them together as a team. We pray that you would give them strength and spiritual wisdom as they serve us. And we pray as you bless them, that we would be blessed uh, through their ministry. Lord God, we think, we think further afield. We want to commit to you Rosie in Papua New Guinea. Lord, as this week she will start her journey back to the UK via Spain. And Lord, how, how she finds this time quite difficult. Lord, we pray that you be with her and bless her uh, during this transition. Lord, we commit to you, Ukraine. Lord, we ask that you would bring peace. We ask that warfare would end. We ask that the bloodshed would stop. Lord, as many think about how cold we are at the moment, Lord, we pray for uh, the Ukrainians who, without electricity, are finding other ways to, to live and to heat and to cook their food. Lord, we pray as the generators have gone out, we pray that they would be used. We, we thank you that we've been able to do that. We thank you uh, that the church is absolutely thrilled with them. And we pray that they would be used to bring some form of comfort uh, to your people. Lord God, we ask as we turn to your word, and once we've read your word, as John preaches from your word, that our lives would be changed by what you have to say. Lord, as we try and get our heads around mercy and grace and personal responsibility, Lord, help us to do that with your Holy Spirit, we ask. Amen. We've got our, our second reading, and we're going to be in Titus and Titus chapter 2. We're going to be reading through Titus in Titus chapter 2. Page 998 in the chapel Bibles or behind me on the wall. But as for you, teach what accords with sound doctrine. Older men are to be sober-minded, dignified, self-controlled, sound in faith, in love and in steadfastness. Older women, likewise, are to be reverent in behaviour, not slanderers or slaves to much wine. They are to teach what is good, and so train the younger women to love their husbands and children, to be self-controlled, pure, working at home, kind and submissive to their own husbands, that the word of God may not be reviled. Likewise, urge the younger men to be self-controlled, and show yourself in all respects to be a model of good works. And in your teaching, show integrity 
and dignity and sound speech that cannot be condemned, so that an opponent may be put to shame, having nothing evil to say about us. Bond servants are, be, are to be submissive to their own masters in everything. They are to be well-pleasing and not argumentative, not pilfering, but showing all good faith, so that in everything they may adorn the doctrine of God our Saviour. For the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation for all people, training us to renounce ungodliness and worldly passions, and to live self-controlled, upright and godly lives in the present age, waiting for our blessed hope, the appearing of the glory of our great God and Saviour, Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us, to redeem us from all lawlessness, and to purify for himself a people for his own possession, who are zealous for good works. Declare these things, exhort and rebuke with all authority. Let no one disregard you. And so reads the word of God. And I no doubt I'm going to feel challenged when John brings that word to us. I'm sure many of us will be. But we're going to stand when the music starts for our next our next song. As morning dawns and day awakes, to you I bring my need. O gracious God, my source of strength, in you I live and breathe. Each hour's Each hour is yours by wisdom planned, each deed empowered by sovereign hands. Renew my spirit, help me stand, be glorified today. Let's stand and sing.
well, I gave a hint uh, some months ago that I wanted to speak about the place of personal discipline, the place of personal discipline in the life of a Christian. And uh, so here we are, that's what's led me to the theme that we're looking at from the Bible this evening. Um, do you think there is a place for personal discipline? For effort, uh, for sticking at things, for commitment, for doing what you don't feel like doing, for holding back on some of your desires. A place for habit and standards, maybe routine and pattern. Or or is it all about going with the flow of your heart, feeling free and and not bound, uh, dropping the old rules and the the old religiosity and just feeling the, the freedom of the spirit? Uh, Many of us recoil from a heavy, burdensome set of rules, don't we? Uh, It's often accompanied with pride and self-righteousness and uh, a judgmental spirit and not accompanied by um, love and humility and compassion. Uh, We looked at this uh, when we looked at Colossians and uh, came to the end of chapter 2 when we looked at legalism there, which is a relevant theme, a sort of counterbalancing theme for this evening. In our pursuit of it, what we might call a grace-filled Christian life, can the, the pendulum, if you like, swing so much so that we ditch all discipline and we forget other teaching of the Bible. Is there a place for for restraining ourselves? Are there areas that you and I need to restrain ourselves? You know, the Bible does say that there is a place for personal discipline, for effort and for commitment. And we could go to different parts. We could go to, say, 2 Peter, which we had read earlier. And uh, we're told there to, in verse 5, to make every effort to supplement your faith. Or in verse 10, to be all the more diligent to confirm your calling and election sure. We could go to the example of Paul. He draws on the example of an athlete. That's why I use that little picture. I try and get one picture which sort of goes along with it. And it's not a keep fit lesson this evening, but it is just one example of uh, some discipline in some areas of life. And, and Paul uses that and he talks about it in 1 Corinthians 9, where he says in verse 25, Every athlete exercises self-control control in all things. They do it to receive a perishable wreath, but we an imperishable. Verse 27, but I discipline my body and keep it under control. We could think about uh, the place of self-denial and Jesus is teaching on that. Oh, we could think a little bit about the word disciple. Um, which in English anyway, not in Greek, but in English includes sort of a sense of discipline about it. 
But I wanted especially this evening just to home in on one thing which I think will contribute to this sort of thought and balance in our lives and that is to explore the theme of self-control. The theme of self-control and to look at it in this letter to Titus. There is an important place of self-control. It is one of the fruits of the Spirit. Self-control, the last one in the list. There are impulses, desires, wishes, tendencies in our hearts which need to be controlled and kept in place. I don't know if you find self-control easy, do you? Discipline yourself? Some by character are a bit more self-disciplined by nature, but for all of us we find it a problem. But it is a fruit of the Spirit to show self-control. The Spirit works in us to produce self-control. The Gospel moves our heart in that direction. And this word self-control comes up several times in this short letter to Titus. And I'm going to be thinking through that this evening and want to make four points. I want to make four points uh, on this theme of self-control and the place of personal discipline. And this is the first. That it, uh, it is against the culture, or can be. Different cultures have their different features, don't they? Uh, Some are very uh, self-controlled and disciplined. I think perhaps Britain in the past, don't you, was a bit like that. The sort of stiff upper lip, keep your thoughts to yourself, very conscientious, strong sense of duty, a deference and respect for authority. Maybe it was a bit too far at times, maybe it was a bit hollow at times, but that was the culture of generations ago, decades ago anyway. Some cultures are much more um, unrestrained, there's just no holding back. Um, You just go with your desires and uh, in some ways I think ours has moved more to that, not in every way, but in many ways. And Crete where this letter was written to, was like that. You can see that from chapter 1 in Titus and verse 12, where Paul quotes somebody from Crete themselves. And it's not a particularly sort of impressive description of what the Cretans were like. One of the Cretans, a prophet of their own, said, Cretans are always liars evil beasts, lazy gluttons. And he adds, this testimony is true. So there they weren't very disciplined with the truth. They they weren't very disciplined and controlled with their basic instincts. What you want is what you should do. They weren't very disciplined about work, or about the place of sleep. They weren't very disciplined with food and drink. There was just no self-control. It's a case of if it feels good, do it. If, If it's satisfying, you owe it to yourself. Just go for it. 
And we're told here that even though it may be the culture, Christians should not follow suit. Verse 13, it's quite striking. This testimony is true, therefore rebuke them sharply. Put them straight, correct them. Don't let the Christians live like that and follow everyone else. They should be different. Are we not very disciplined with the truth? Like the people of Crete? A few lies don't matter. If you get, it gets you where you want to, you can compromise on the truth. Are we tempted to idleness like the culture? Never doing anything useful? Are we like ease and rest? Well, they have their place, but we like it too much. We leave it all to others to do when we should be helping. Maybe it's what you eat and drink. You enjoy good food. It's God's gift. You're thankful for nice treats. They have a place. But your food or your drink has control of you rather than the other way round. It was the culture of that age, of that island. They're always liars, evil beasts, lazy gluttons. Christians are called to be different from the culture. And if our culture just sort of puts self-control and discipline to one side, we don't follow suit. We shouldn't follow suit. You've heard that Rosie Croucher is uh, heading back to Europe from Papua New Guinea and uh, she often has a chapter for the year to think through. And from her prayer letter and from what she said to me, it's Romans chapter 12. And verse 2 is reads like this. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. So there's a place for discipline for the Christian and it may be counter-cultural. A second aspect of it from Titus is that it, this self-control, this discipline, is important in leaders. It's important in leaders. We're often thinking about leaders of different groups We'll be thinking about deacons in coming months. Here in chapter 1 of Titus, you have a description of what the elders should be like when they're appointed. And we have it in verse 7 and 8 of chapter 1. For an overseer, as God's steward, must be above reproach. He must not be arrogant or quick-tempered or a drunkard or violent or greedy for gain, but hospitable, a lover of good, self-controlled, upright, holy and disciplined. So a leader is to have some discipline, some self-control. Well, over what? Well, a leader should have some discipline over temper. Doesn't just let them have it. It's a measure, a holding back, a self-control. There should be some self-control over sexual lusts. To be the husband of one wife, not flirting, not unfaithful. To have some discipline and control over drink. 
doesn't lose all his senses by getting drunk. He's not seen staggering out of a pub on a Friday night. Has some control over money. Straight with money. Doesn't sparkle so much as makes them lose their senses in order to get it. Spending is under control and not wild. A bit like the children's talk this morning, those four things which came up. And they're things which are under control in the, the Christian. They have their place. And maybe as we think of some of these things in this list about the leaders, maybe we need special help, do we? Need God's help in those areas to get that more in the place it should be. Maybe it'd be helpful to be open with a trusted, wise friend about an issue where things have got out of control. It's put like this, isn't it, in verse 8. Hospitable, a lover of good, self-controlled, upright, holy and disciplined. Well, maybe you are a leader. Maybe you will be a, a leader in some capacity. Well, remember, there is a place for personal discipline. Important in leaders. Self-control. Uh, Timmy, Timothy was in the thick of it um, in his service and ministry. And as he was encouraged to exercise his gift of service, he was told this, 2 Timothy 1 verse 7, For God gave us a spirit not of fear, but of power and love and self control. So I think probably some things that are challenging us as we go through this this evening, I, I would have thought so. Against the culture, important in leaders, for men and women, for men and women. In chapter 2 of Titus, uh, the special words for men and women. Older men, what do you need? Verse 2. Older men are to be sober-minded, dignified, self-controlled, sound in faith, in love, in steadfastness. The Greek word is, is sophron. It's wise, unrestrained. Sorry, restrained, not unrestrained, restrained, measured. Uh, older people are expected to be wise. And here it shows this should be shown in, in self-control over their impulses, instincts, desires, and will. Older women are to teach the younger women. And what are they to teach them? Verses 4 and 5. And so train the young women to love their husbands and children to be self-controlled, pure, working at home, kind and submissive to their own husbands, that the word of God may not be reviled. Well, quite a lot is directed in those verses to home life. Perhaps amongst some there were, perhaps amongst some there is a desire not to love their husbands. Others don't love theirs. He can be such a clot sometimes. 
might be a strong desire not to respect him, but to disregard his God-given role. But that lack of love and lack of respect needs to be restrained and modified. The young women are to be self-controlled. So there need to be more discipline in, in your attitude, more restraint in your attitude, home life. Younger men, you need focus. You've got one thing to focus on. They say that men can't concentrate on too many things at once. That's probably true sometimes. Well, you have one thing, according to this passage, to concentrate on, and it's in verse 6. Likewise, urge the younger men to be self-controlled. That's your focus. In fact, you're to be urged, encouraged strongly. Likewise, urge the younger men to be self-controlled. It's made me think of two books. One I've read, uh, one I haven't. The book I've read is Disciplines of a Godly Man by Kent Hughes. It's an excellent book. It's some time ago since I've read it. I think some people are reading it now, so from what I've heard, somebody emailed me a quote from it about a week ago, so it's obviously uh, has some currency about it. Disciplines of a Godly Man. Great book, so helpful. And there are some disciplines which we as men need to try and exercise in our love for God, our love for others, our service of God, our service of others. The discipline of a godly man. The book I haven't read is The Disciplines of a Godly Woman by his wife, Barbara Hughes. But I imagine that's good as well. The Disciplines of a Godly Woman. Both men and women need discipline in their love and service of God. Later in the year, uh, men, we've got our pizza and teacher evening. It's been moved back a week from what, what uh, was, was said on my email. But uh, we've got Mark Redhouse coming from um, Eastbourne to, to speak to us. And the title is Titus for Men. Titus for Men. So I wouldn't be surprised if at some point in that a few of these things come out. It is something for men and women. And young men, if I can just labour this point just a little bit further. You know, each generation has its strengths and weaknesses, doesn't it? And we have to be careful to oversimplify and to generalise. Maybe the older generation is sometimes thought to be excessive in discipline. Maybe there's danger of the younger generation's to disregard discipline. There could be a trend around which won't commit to responsibility, which won't reply to emails, which won't get tied down, which doesn't want to get into the pattern of Bible reading, which won't help serve when they don't fancy serving, which won't bless others regularly by coming to worship when they can, urge the younger men to be self-controlled. The Lord wants men and women to be 
self-controlled. I have a final point, and then we're going to do a little bit of reflection, um, which I'll come to. Reflection for personal thought at the end. But my, my final point is the product of grace. Self-control, discipline, is the product of grace. So sometimes it can be seen as the, sort of, if you like, the opposite to grace. God's free, rich, full love. And somehow discipline is sort of the opposite to that. And it can be. We met that in Colossians, Colossians chapter 2, where there was such a a law-keeping, legalistic spirit. And discipline can be ugly. Somebody said to me recently, the Nazis were very disciplined. That doesn't give it a good write-up, does it? Not always good, discipline. Who was disciplined in the Bible? Luke 15, the older brother was very disciplined and committed, wasn't he? Oh, was it? His attitude was just horrible. Don't want to copy that, do you? People of other faiths can be very disciplined in their rituals. Um, Some very orthodox Christians uh, seem to have everything sort of buttoned up. It's as though they've buttoned up love and compassion as well and hidden that. And we don't want to go down that route. Grace, so, needs to affect the heart, stir up love for God and for others, and it will then lead to discipline. Discipline and self-control is the product, the outflow of grace. Here in these verses that are highlighted there, verses 11 to 13 of chapter 2, we have grace and we have hope. And we have salvation. And we have Jesus. These great themes that we love. But hear what it leads to. Some renouncing and self-control. Verse 11 of chapter 2. For the grace of God has appeared. Grace of God has appeared. Bringing salvation for all people. Training us to renounce ungodliness worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright and godly lives in the present age, waiting for our blessed hope, the appearing of the glory of our great God and Saviour, Jesus Christ. Grace leads to self-control and discipline. It gives the motivation so that it's beautiful and nice and good and real and genuine. It gives the strength. Grace gives the, the heart of love behind it as we're so touched by the love and mercy of God towards us. Grace gives the delight in pleasing God because that's our new motive. Grace encourages us when we fail to be as disciplined as we should be. So grace leads to self-control and to personal discipline. They're not not opposites. One leads to the other. We have God's grace in chapter 3 as well. 
verses 4 to 7. Uh, just, just relish this. If you're a Christian, this is what's happened to you. If you're not a Christian, this is what needs to happen to you, but gives you hope that it can. For we ourselves were once foolish, disobedient, led astray, slaves to various passions and pleasures, passing our days in malice and envy, hated by others and hating one another. But when the goodness and loving kindness of God our Saviour appeared, he saved us. Not because of works done by us in righteousness, our discipline and diligence doesn't save us at all. But according to his own mercy, that's what saves us, by the washing of the regeneration and renewal of the Holy Spirit, whom he poured out on us richly through Jesus Christ our Saviour, so that being justified by his grace, we might become heirs according to the hope of eternal life. But what should it lead to there in chapter 3? First two verses. Remind them to be submissive to rulers and authorities, to be obedient, to be ready for every good work, to speak evil of no one, to avoid quarrelling, to be gentle, to show perfect courtesy toward all people. For, see, the grace of God leads to discipline, measuredness, self-control, restraint. There's another book, a third book, a book I'd like to have read I'm sure it's good because I've read uh, sort of earlier versions of it. And the title is spot on. It's it's by Jerry Bridge. It's called The Discipline of Grace. The Discipline of Grace. Combines these themes. I haven't read it. If you've read it, perhaps you should be up the front here doing the talk because you'll be uh, well clued up. But it's a great, it's a great, it's a great title and I'm sure a great book. The Discipline of Grace. We recoil at mere discipline. Hollow discipline. Self-righteous discipline. But we want loving discipline. Gracious discipline. Definite, God-honouring discipline. We're going to finish from questions, but I just hope that going through that, that, having that sort of slice of Titus has helped you and I to just think a bit more about the place of discipline and self-control in the life of the Christian. And maybe if the pendulum, maybe the pendulum's still up here for us and still needs to come down further, depending on our background. But maybe for some of us, we've caught the culture too much, we've drifted away from some of the Bible teaching, and this is just helping us to get a good and right and beautiful biblical balance. I'm going to finish with some questions. I know we often do, I say a few from the front here, and uh, I've got some to show, but I want a little bit longer, so I'm going to sit down as well and think about them. I'm just going to put them up, just want you to have some personal time to think through them, maybe pray over them, before we have our last hymn. So we've got three main ones, the, the middle one is a bit longer. Here's the first one. Do I see the importance of discipline and self-control? I think the second one we need longer for. 
pick on certain areas there to think about. Do I need God's help for more self-control in one of these areas? Work, temper, sexual interest, respect, food and drink, truth, money. And thirdly, how does grace, God's grace and mercy, encourage and motivate me in discipline? Well, I hope that's been helpful. As I say, it's a slightly, it's not a, we're saved by God's wonderful grace, not our discipline. We must remember that. Don't go away thinking, I've got to be more disciplined to get God's favour. We are saved alone by God's mercy. But once we're saved, we should rightly want to be disciplined in our service of him and others, seeking his forgiveness as we fail. We come to our last song now, which is... uh, an older song, but which encourages, we encourage one another in this uh, to be serious about looking uh, to grow in usefulness and holiness. Take time to be holy, speak much with your Lord, remain in him always and feed on his word.
Oh Lord, we pray against a self-righteous discipline. Let us never think that we can earn our way to salvation by our efforts. We trust alone in the death of Jesus and your grace. Lord, keep us from a, a heartless discipline, which is mere duty and smug about it, and all outward and nothing inside, which has neither love nor compassion. But Lord, help us to have a gracious discipline worked out in our lives. Help us by your Holy Spirit to be strengthened, to be self-controlled. As we thought through some areas that may be irrelevant to us, help us to grow in those areas. Lord, we do pray that motivated by your wonderful self-giving love for us, we may grow in these things for the good of others and for your glory. Oh Lord, we pray that what's been said this evening may be useful. Keep it from being misused in our minds, but help us instead to be growing in godliness. We ask in the name of Jesus. Amen.